feel like I need to take a drink of water just after all these announcements. <laughs> Matthew chapter 9, God has a word for us today, and it's strong. Look at verse number 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities, all the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Wouldn't you have liked to have been alive that day hearing the words of Jesus taught? Seeing the hand of Jesus reach out and touch those who are sick and healing them? Hallelujah. Look at verse number 36. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Someone say moved with compassion. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary. They were scattered. They were like sheep who didn't have a shepherd. And so he says to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray now, Lord, that it would settle into our our hearts into our minds and what you've sent it to do God let that be done move us today by the power of your word in Jesus name are you ready to be moved by the power of God's word today it's time to move it's time to let God move you speaking of moving I don't like to move. <laughs> Anybody had to move lately? You did have to move lately. That's right, Joe. You and your mom and dad recently moved. Joe and Lena recently moved. You folks recently moved back into the area. It's so good to have you worshiping with us today. It's good to have you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, even if you're moving from, from job to job, that's not, that's not comfortable, is it? Moving from one office to the next office, you still got to gather all your things and, and move. I think the worst is moving from one home to another home. Anybody ever had to move homes before? I remember when we moved from Chicago all the way to the foreign country of California. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It felt like I was going to a foreign land. I felt like I was going to a, a, a country in Africa, going to California, so far away, and had this reputation. You know, it's the cereal state, right? Full of flakes and fruits and nuts, you know. <laughs> and now I am one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, though, when we had to move from Chicago to California, you know, you've got to go through all your things, first of all, and decide what you're going to keep or what you're going to purge. And boy, we collect some junk over, over the years, don't we? Some of that stuff, why do we hang on to it? Why do we hold on to some of that stuff? Well, we do. And so we got to, that's one step. It's a multi-step. Moving is a multi-step process. And you've got you've to sort through all, all of your stuff, all of your junk, all your items. Then you decide what you're going to keep and you've got to box all of that up. So you've got to go to the store and get all the boxes or, you know, collect boxes somehow, box everything up. Then I remember loading up the yellow U-Haul truck. 
or the rider truck. What, what's, what's the one that's yellow? Whatever's yellow. Loading up the rider truck. I remember starting the engine, no kidding. Now, I wasn't about to have Karen and my kids drive that long journey, and so they flew. They were, they were ahead of me, and Karen was, was uh, with child. She was greatly with child and uh, carrying Daisy. Amen. Who has grown to this beautiful, beautiful young lady. She's blossomed, hasn't she, Daisy? <laughs> She's my little baby. My little baby's not, not my little baby anymore. Young woman that is loving God and pursuing God. I remember turning on the engine to start the trek across the country. You remember Pastor Moses and Jamie. That's a long way. That's a long, long trip. You remember that, Pastor Dave? Sonny? It's a long trip. Did you drive it? You didn't drive it either, did you? You and Reagan got to fly. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's a good husband right there. And we drove across the country all the way to California. But I didn't like the process because I don't really like to move. I want everybody to stand. And I want you to gather up your belongings. And I want you to move to the section to your right. This section will come over here. Everybody has to participate. You don't want to be sitting in that same seat. You'll be the greatest illustration I could ever hope for if you don't move. Nobody gets to stay where you are. Everybody has to move. Come on, everybody. Back row, you got to move. We got to move. Everybody's got to move. Balcony, just flip-flop where you're sitting. Balcony, if you'll come over this side, this side needs to come over here. Brent, make sure everybody in the balcony moves for me. Did you all move up here? Oh, you're kicking and screaming. I can hear that. I uh, yeah. listen to the groans of the people. Now, this is going to throw me off. I don't know if I can preach like this or not. I'm not used to you being over here. Edge youth still representing in the house. I'm sh well, that's my seat. I'm sorry. It's perfectly formed to me. You know what I mean? Y'all got the same seat every week. It's all good. I'm not, I'm not busting you on that. I, I'm really not. Hey, if it's comfortable for you, I'm just glad you're coming to church every week. So you gladly can sit in that same seat every week that you want to. Just get here and, and, and worship with me and hear the word of God. So I don't care about that. I really don't. But I want this to be cemented. Can you bring me up a little bit? Hello? They're having a little trouble. So isn't this interesting now when you go to a new place in the sanctuary, how things change for you? Right? All right. Now, if you can't hear very well, you get the privilege of moving one more time. And you can move to a place where you could hear better, all right? So this is actually a little, a little dead zone right over here as far as volume goes. And now you know that. So don't sit there next week, okay? 
Nobody really likes moving. The first service, I'm telling you, as soon as they sat down, they said, we get it now. Can we go back and sit where we were sitting? <laughs> they really did. It was uncomfortable. You know, I, I, everybody, it was, it was a little bit of a scene. Everybody moving all their junk, all their stuff. That's how it was moving from California, uh, moving from Chicago to California. I had to gather up all my junk, all my stuff, and I had to move. But let me tell you something. God had called me to a new place. God had called me to a new position. God had called me to a new location, and I had to move in order to fulfill what God was calling me to do. It's time to move. As we continue in our study of the words of Jesus, the series I've entitled Written in Red, I want us today to look closely at these particular words of Jesus. This is Jesus' compassion for us. It starts with movement. Jesus was moved with compassion. If you're taking notes, note it like this. Compassion moved Jesus. Write it down. Compassion moved Jesus. Look again at our text. When Jesus saw the multitudes, what happened? It says he was moved with compassion. When is the last time you felt movement on the inside because of the Holy Spirit working in you? It's time to move, church. It's time for mobility, activity. It, we can't stay where we are any longer. It, it, we can't remain the same. Amen. Compassion requires movement. Compassion moved Jesus. I, I, I began to think about this whole process of, of it, Jesus was moved with compassion. Why did Jesus even have compassion? I believe that Jesus had compassion because Jesus cared. Folks, we got to start caring that there are lost people that are going by us every day. We're working with them every day. We're, we're living next door to them uh, every day. They're part of our family. We have to start caring about that. Why did Jesus even care? I believe he cared because he loved. Here is the seed of compassion. The seed of compassion is love. Of course, we know very well the most quoted scripture in all the word of God. What is it? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but we know it well. And so we could just stay on the high level of Jesus' love, God's love. God loved the world, and so he sent his son, Jesus. But I want to draw it in more closely, more intimately, and I want us to look at five areas of Jesus' love. The love that was the seed that moved to, compassion, uh, to care and care that spawned compassion. The compassion that moved and motivated Jesus, it started with love. Whom did Jesus love, you may ask? First of all, he loved the individual. 
Jesus loved the individual. We see this in the life of one of his friends, one of his good friends, I believe. We see it in the life of Lazarus. If you want to open your Bible to John chapter 11, hopefully you'll see some new insights today concerning Jesus' love for just one. He loved the individual. He certainly loved Lazarus. The Bible tells us so. John 11 and 5 tells us very plainly Jesus loved Lazarus. Now, if you don't know the story of Lazarus, let me just highlight some of this. Lazarus became sick, and the sickness looked very serious. We know, because we've in, read the end of the story, that it really was serious. Sickness doesn't get more serious than that that leads to death. <laughs> and so it was so serious that his family decides, let's get word to Jesus. And so his sisters, verse number 3, sent word to Jesus and said, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. This reaffirms Jesus' love for Lazarus, by the way. He says that he loves Lazarus. The family knew that he loved Lazarus. So they say, let's get word to Jesus. If anybody can do anything for Lazarus, it'll be Jesus. And we know that Jesus loves Lazarus. So they sent word to Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? As soon as he heard it, he just dropped everything. He, he packed up all of his things and he just ran right over to Lazarus, didn't he? Prayed for him and Lazarus was healed, right? Boy, that, 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 that'd be the way I thought it was going to go. It didn't go like that at all. In fact, the scripture tells us that they sent word to Jesus, the one whom you love is sick and it looks like he's going to die. I mean, it was, it was urgent. Jesus decides to stay where he is two more days. What? That's not how I thought it was going to go, God. That's not how I thought you were going to do it, Lord. Well, you never know really how God's going to work, do you? Just know that God is going to work. Jesus stayed. Verse number 6 tells us he stayed two more days. And you know what happens, of course? He gets more sick. The sickness increases. And in fact, Lazarus dies. Lazarus dies, and then Jesus comes. Well, it's too late. It's too late now. At least that's what we think. That's certainly what his sisters thought. Jesus dies, and Jesus asks, Where have you laid him? Verse number 34. And then I want to bring up the shortest verse in all the Word of God, just two small words. Look at verse 35. Jesus wept. There's lots of commentary on these two words, I found out. And lots of discussion on why Jesus might have wept. I'll leave that to you to study and, and, and you can join in the conversation if you'd like. But I want to submit to you one reason I believe that Jesus wept. I believe that Jesus wept for Lazarus because he really did care for him and he loved him. Now Jesus was all God, right? And he already knew the plan that he had in place 
to raise Lazarus. But the scripture is very clear. Jesus was also all man. And so, have you ever lost someone that you love? Has anybody ever lost someone to death that you loved? And didn't it hurt? And hopefully you cried over it. You should. I have. I, I will again, I'm sure. Jesus wept because he loved one. He loved an individual. He had a brother. He had a friend. And he loved him. Whom did Jesus love? Not only did he love Lazarus, he loved Lazarus' family. So number two right here, jot this down, Jesus loved the family. Verse number five of John 11. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. He loved the whole family. Because he loved the whole family, when Lazarus died and there the sisters remained, he had compassion for them. He cared about their grief. He cared about their pain. He cared about their suffering and their sorrow. He was moved for them. Do you know Jesus loves the families? Baileys, Jesus loves you individually, but he loves your family. Well, take heart in that. Take hope in that. Jill, Pete, he loves you, but he loves your family. Wow. He loves the whole family. Mary and Martha, Jesus arrives, and, and before he actually gets to the, the, the town area, the homestead, Martha runs out to meet him. And Martha and Mary both say this. Martha says it in verse 21. Mary says it in verse 32. But basically, they're both saying to Jesus, if you'd only been here sooner, if you had just been here sooner, my brother would not have died. Can you believe it? I'm sure they're trying to show the utmost respect because they, they respected Jesus. They loved Jesus. But come on. Jesus, we have seen you. We have seen you with our own eyes heal people. And we knew that if we got word to you, you could do the same for Lazarus. And yet you delayed. And now he's dead. And she says it with tears. She says it with a broken heart. I know that things could have been different if you'd just come here when I thought you were going to come here. And even though Jesus knew what he was going to do, because Mary and Martha are brokenhearted, and because he cares for families and he loves families, look at this verse. Verse number 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, he saw the Jews, the friends around, all weeping. He groaned in his spirit. And he was troubled. You know that night that you spent crying into your pillow that you didn't think anybody knew? Jesus knew. And what hurts us, he cares about. Because he loves us. He loves the family. He loved Mary and Martha. 
Mary is the one that has this great, great story that has been preserved and passed down through, through history. She anointed Jesus for his burial. Mm. He saw them weeping. He saw the friends weeping. He groaned and was troubled. Let me tell you the end of this story, by the way. I, I don't want to assume that everybody knows about Lazarus. I left him dead. But he doesn't stay dead. In verse number 38 of chapter 11, look closely at it. Jesus, again groaning in himself, he comes now to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. In other words, it was sealed by this large stone. This is how they buried people in this day. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, oh, I've missed a scripture, excuse me. Jesus said in verse 39, take away the stone. Then Martha, she says, Lord, by this time there's a stench because he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I'm saying this now, that they may believe that you sent me. Here is why he delayed for the days that he delayed. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And when he who had died, he came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Lazarus didn't stay dead. Jesus had another plan, and he went on to teach on the resurrection at that time, which is one of the most important things that we can, we can have today and stand on today is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I heard one preacher say it's a good thing he said Lazarus when he, when he said come forth, because if he had just said come forth, all the dead in the region would have just come up out of the grave. <laughs> That's how powerful the words of Jesus are. That's how powerful our God is. Y'all believe that today? Jesus loves the one, the individual, the person. Jesus loves families. Whom does Jesus love? Number three, Jesus loves children. Matthew 19 and 13, little children were brought to Jesus so that he might put his hands on them and pray a prayer of blessing over them. But the disciples, who thought they knew more than Jesus, they rebuked them. They rebuked the people, the parents that were bringing their children. Can you imagine? The, re the disciples rebuked them, and Jesus then rebuked the disciples. And he said, let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And so then Jesus laid his hands on them, prayed a prayer of blessing on them, and then Jesus departed. I think, folks, this shows the heart of love that Jesus has for children. 
Whitney Houston said in a song many years ago, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. I believe Jesus was saying this in his own way. This is the future. This is what the kingdom is all about. Folks, it's time to invest in our children. I'm praying and hoping that should the Lord tarry, that my kids will do far more than ever, I ever dreamed and I ever hoped to do. And so we must invest in our children. I love that we have some kids in the house here today. It's really great to see the kids. The Cox boys are here, yeah. Hanging out with Grandma. Good to see you guys. Tell Mom and Dad we said, hey, okay? He's like, is he talking to me? <laughs> it's time to invest in our children, isn't it, Libby? It's time to invest in our kids and let them lead the way. We used to sing this song, Jesus Loves the Little Children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, probably not very politically correct in today's vernacular, but get the heart of it. Jesus loves all the kids. And if Jesus loved children, how many believe we ought to love children? Whom did Jesus love? Number four, Jesus loved the multitudes. Let me pull you back to our text here in Matthew chapter 9. He loved the multitudes. Then Jesus, in verse 35, went about all the cities, all the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes... That's when he was moved with compassion for them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were weary. They were scattered. They didn't know what they were doing. Jesus went about all the cities, all the towns, all the villages. And I believe that Jesus loved all the people groups. I want to give a caution to everyone. Be sure that your love extends beyond your race. <laughs> now, I think La Palma Christian Center is above average when it comes to diversity in the house. You can even look around today and you'll see someone that looks very different from you. Their skin color is probably a different shade than yours. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it awesome? You know, the day I grew up in was very different from today. And I, I thank God for the, the, the progress, the, the great progress. But um, I, I'm horrified as I think back to some of my upbringing and how divided we were. And I was raised in a Christian home. Hello? But yet things that were said from my parents and my grandparents and, and Christian aunts and uncles would just never be said today. It would never do, and it would not honor God or His Word. But you see, I believe that heaven is going to be a wonderful tapestry of color and creed. And in fact, I read somewhere that every nation and every tribe and every island and every tongue is going to gather around the throne and cry, holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy. How about we practice right here on earth? Don't you wait till you get to heaven. You join with other ethnicities.
ethnicities and all people groups and we worship God together right here and we'll be ahead of the game when we get to heaven. I don't care what color you are. It doesn't matter to me. Mike, you're my brother from another mother. And I got a little soul in me anyhow. So there. It doesn't matter if you're Filipino or, or, or Nigerian or, or if you're a Latin, if you're from Latin, any Latin believers in the house here today. Come on now. We are the church. We are the church, Pastor Moses. And I need you. I'm better because of you. Jesus loved the multitudes. He loved all people, people that didn't look like him, people that maybe did look like him. He loved the young and the old. He loved the male and the female. It's time, folks, that we are moved with compassion and we start following suit. Do you love your city? He went to all the villages and all the towns. He actually, he loved the city. He saw them as weary, as scattered, confused. Like, a sh like sheep that didn't have any direction, any shepherd. that is left to do whatever they want. They say that sheep are some of the dumbest animals and they need constant guidance and care from a, sh from a shepherd. And he saw them as just wandering sheep. Plenty of people complaining about their cities and their, their state and even their nation. But I wonder how, how many of us are really moved for our cities. He's moved today for a diaper change. <laughs> oh, stay focused. I'll say this away from the pulpit. I, I, I don't want to, I, I try not to stand behind that holy desk and speak about political things, but I will say this, there is a lot of goofiness going on in our country and even in our state. I mean, come on. You'd have to, you'd have, to have your head in the sand somewhere to not understand that not everything that's going on in our nation and in our state or maybe even in our cities is good or godly. But I think the best use of our breath would be to pray, first of all, and get involved then to make a difference. Be careful. I'm your pastor, right, for the majority of you, so I guess I better pastor you. Be careful about posting things on social media about politics. You never know what might offend someone immigration, all of this, all of this, folks, there are people in this, in this room, in part of our church. They maybe didn't come the way we, that I came or you came, but they're still part of us. I'm just saying be very cautious and very aware that what you say might offend someone. 
I'm going to leave that over there, and I'm going to get back to my points here. Y'all love me? If you love your city and you're frustrated with your state, your country, your city, just pray and then ask God to help you to make some changes. I still believe that God can raise up a godly man and a godly woman. God can raise up godly senators. God can raise up godly congress people. God can raise up godly mayors and make a difference in our cities and in our state and in our countries. Does anybody else believe it today? Whom did Jesus love? He loved the individual. He loved the family. He loved the multitudes. He loved the children. Finally, Jesus loved sinners. A little earlier in this chapter that we're in, in Matthew chapter 9, go back to verse number 9. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So Matthew arose and followed him. I like that. Simple, right? Jesus said, follow me, and he just got up and followed him. There's a lesson there. Now it happened, as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and other sinners came and sat down with him and with his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he overheard that. I don't think they were speaking to Jesus, see, but he overheard it. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And watch this. Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous to repentance. I called... I came to call the sinners to repentance. Wow. Jesus loved tax collectors. Can you imagine? Now, these were some of the lowest of society. If you work for the IRS, you know. (laughs) God bless you. This was then, <laughs> but seriously, the tax collectors, you know, if, if, if you were called a tax collector, that's like almost calling you a, a, a swear word, you know, that's bad. And they had the reputation that actually warranted this. Jesus loved the tax, he loved the prostitutes, can you imagine? And, and listen to me, he didn't love the prostitute for what he might get from the prostitute. Jesus saw sinners as sick. (sighs) Don't get frustrated with people that aren't Christians. They're only doing what they do. They're living worldly. They're living according to their flesh. They're living ungodly lives. That's all they know to do. You know why? They're sick. They're sick. When is the last time you were actually moved on the inside with compassion for a sinner? Jesus loved the sinner. He didn't care what anybody else thought, and he definitely didn't care what anybody else said, even when they thought they were saying it behind his back. And note this, by the way, Jesus hears everything you say. 
<laughs> Don't ever think you're having some private conversation somewhere. Jesus is listening. Jesus is hearing what you've got to say. Compassion moved Jesus. It brings me to my next point, and I'm going to wrap this up. Compassion should move us. It's a very simple message, actually, today. Not, not super deep. But if we could grasp hold of this, it would revolutionize things outside of these doors. Compassion moves Jesus. And so, compassion should move us. There was something happening on the inside of Jesus when he looked out and saw the multitude. It was a movement. He felt something. He was moved with compassion. The inward movement spawned outward movement. You see, Jesus immediately, once he was moved with compassion, he moved to tell his disciples something. The inward movement caused outward movement. He said, remember this, the harvest is plentiful. He called his disciples together. Now look at this with me, disciples. They, they, they must have been up on some point that they could see out over the city. Look at this with me. Doesn't this just clutch you? Doesn't this just grip you? Look at this. And don't ever forget this. Remember, the harvest is ready. It's plentiful. It's white unto harvest. It, it, it's recorded somewhere else. Uh, and also remember this. The workers are few. And then he said, pray that the Lord would send laborers into the harvest field. Sounds like they're getting off easy right here, doesn't it? All I have to do is remember the harvest is ready. All I have to do is remember the, the workers are few, and then I get to pray for somebody else to do the work? Wow. No, 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 no. I believe we ought to pray like Isaiah prayed. Here am I. Send me. Somebody raise up one hand and say, here am I. Send me. Come on, say it one more time. Here am I. Send me. I believe our prayer for the lost needs to be twofold. We should be praying as Jesus taught us to pray. Lord of the harvest, send forth workers into the harvest field. In fact, it's part of my everyday prayer when I pray for those in my family or any, any friends or, 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 or those I know that are lost. I pray, God, send workers into the harvest field. I mean, when Jesus says you ought to pray like this, if we don't pray like this, I... Uh, it's just a no-brainer. You see what I'm saying? He told you how to pray. Let's pray that way. You pray some other things as well, but I'm definitely going to pray what Jesus said I ought to pray. I pray for that, but I also pray that I might be the answer on, on the end of somebody else's prayer, see? Somebody might be praying in Ohio, God, send a laborer into La Palma, uh, La Palma, California. Send a worker right there. I might be the answer to somebody else's prayer, so I also have to pray, God, I'm available, I'm willing, here I am, use me. Twofold prayer right there. The compassion... Move Jesus on the inside, and the, the inside movement caused outside movement. 
he told his disciples, get moving. He didn't just say, remember, the harvest is plentiful. Remember, the workers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth workers. He also then said, it's time for you to get moving, guys. See, remember this. When Scripture was written, there were no chapters or verses. It was just a letter. It was just, it was just writing. So I want you to look in your Bible. Open your Bible to chapter 10, although imagine there is no chapter 10. But for our purposes, go to chapter 10. And then imagine it not being there and just a, a continuation of the end of chapter 9. Okay? So he just goes right on. And he got the disciples empowered, first of all, for movement. Verse number 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power. Power over unclean spirits, power to cast out unclean spirits, power to heal all kinds of sickness, and power over all kinds of disease. So he says, I want you to see this. I want you to remember this. And now get over here and let me empower you to get the job done, to get moving. Then it says in verse number 5, bring that up, Jesus sent out those 12, full of power, ready to do business. And so they went out. And as they went out, Jesus said in verse 7, as you go, preach and say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead and cast out demons. Hallelujah. Freely you have received, freely give. Can you imagine? So the movement, I want you to follow this all the way to the end. Pastor Moses, I want you to come. We're going to close this out. But the movement of, of compassion, compassion moved Jesus on the inside. But inside movement is not enough. Because the inside movement that happened in Jesus caused outside movement. So then Jesus plants a seed of compassion in the disciples. Look at this. I keep going to these doors because I just, right outside of these doors is, is our world that is lost. Look at this. Look at the lost. They're confused. They're worn out. They're scatterbrained and they're scattered. That's our world. That's our, the world we live in right now. Does that move you? He's trying to plant a seed of movement in his disciples. You've got to see it first. You've got to feel it. You've got to have movement on the inside. People are dying. People are hurting. People are lost. When is the last time you felt movement on the inside? Enough that would motivate you to get moving about this. We've got to move. It's time to move. We just go through life like nobody's dying, like nobody's going to hell. God, move me. Move me, Lord. Move me from where I am. 
You can't just go through the motions anymore. I can't just go through the motions anymore. We've got to be moved. Compassion, care, love. These are Jesus' words to us. Do you want to be moved? There's a question. We get real comfortable in our little Christian life. I do too. I love what I'm doing. I love you. I love that God is bringing people. He's bringing people back. It's amazing. I love my job. I love my life. But I could get so comfortable in my little zone that I don't move out of it. You know, you were uncomfortable for a minute when I said, get up and move. Take all your stuff and, and move. A little bit of uncomfortableness right there. I think we need to get there, folks. God, this is out of my comfort zone. I don't, this is too big. Cast out demons. Are you, are you, what? He empowered them for the movement. Moved with compassion. There it is. It's a simple message. It really is. I, I wish I could take you in some deeper waters, but I'm just giving you what God put on my heart today. But I think if we let God move us, we can make a difference out in this world. This compassion. Bow your head a moment. I want you to think about this. This compassion triggered because he cared birthed because of love love for the individual love for the family love for the children love for all people groups the multitudes and love for sinners if you would like God to move you and to give you love for these five Areas, Just one person. Can you think of one person that God could maybe move compassion in you? Just one. And you target that one. Maybe you'll see a family. A family that the Holy Spirit will bring to your heart and to your mind. That you can really go after that family with love and compassion. Jesus loved the family. Maybe some children that live in your neighborhood. Maybe some children right here that God could use you to invest in them, to encourage them, to love them. If you would like God to move you for the multitudes and for the people, moving you for your city and for this state, and finally, if you would like God to move you for the lost, I want all those who would like movement from the Holy Spirit to stand. If you want the Holy Spirit to move you, you no longer want to stay where you are spiritually, but you're willing to be moved. Remember, the movement will start here in your heart. I, I want God to break me. I want God to break you. Break us, God. Break our hearts. Break our hearts. We need our hearts broken. Let us see people as just sick. They need a doctor. 
They need, they need medicine. And we have a balm that heals. God, break our hearts. Lift your hands all over this room, those of you who've stood. I'm going to pray that God would, first of all, just, just break our hearts. Lord, if there's calluses that have built up over time, would those be removed by your hand today? Let us not be hard-hearted, God. Let us not be selfish, Lord. Tenderize my heart. And give us eyes to see those who are lost, God. We encounter them every day, all throughout the day, and yet many times we don't even see them as the lost. They're just an inconvenience. They got in line before I got in line, and I'm in a hurry. I want to go home and see Duck Dynasty. Well, come on now. God, let us see as, as you see. Moved with compassion, the lost, <laughs> scattered and weary, <laughs> so confused. And then, God, as we lift our hands, we're saying, we're willing, we're available, but we need your help. And Lord, I pray that just as you gathered your disciples after showing them this great need, then you empowered them, my God. Come on, if you want to, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for this movement, ask him, say, empower me now, God. Empower my words, Lord. I don't even know what to say, but I know that in that moment, by your empowerment, the words will just be perfect. God, let me join hands with somebody who needs healing and pray for healing and see something amazing happen. Use my hands, use my feet, lead me to people, lead me to conversations, God. Lead me to situations, Lord, where your love can be shown. Move us now, God. So you're ready. You're ready. The movement can't just start here and, and, and end here. It starts here, but it's only to motivate you to physically move. Now I'm with you. This is as much for me, maybe more so, than anyone in the room. So I'm committing to you, church, to move. And I want you to move with me. Let's move. It's time to move. Doing things we didn't think we could do. Saying things we've always left to others to say. Amen. Amen. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Wow. Praise the Lord. You can have your seat. Floyd Waterfield is coming on behalf of the board, and uh, he has some business to conduct. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I'm, here, I'm here for one purpose. I'm going to take an offering. We're going to take an offering. I'm going to have ushers get ready. Uh, what's this offering for? Who knows? 
for our pastors. That's right, because we appreciate our pastors. And we've uh, been reminding you of that all this, this month. And this is the offering that we said we're going to take. Um, you still have opportunities to give uh, online. You can give in the regular offerings. But this is a special offering to make sure that you know that we want to take an offering. Okay? So if our ushers uh, would get ready and come down, um, and you can get your offerings ready. I hope you've, uh, you've prepared them. But we appreciate our pastors. We appreciate them. Um, they, work, they work hard. They work for the kingdom of God. And let me tell you, um, you don't pastor unless you're called. You don't pastor unless you're called. If you try to be a pastor and you're not called and you're not willing to give, uh, you, don't, you don't do that. You're, you're going you're to have a big mess. Okay? Uh, pastor talked about messes. We, <laughs> we don't want a big mess. We want a message. And when pastors... Uh, heed that call, you see great things happen for God's kingdom because they're obedient. And we appreciate the obedience of each and every one of our pastors. Pastor Steve, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. Pastor Dave, we appreciate you. Pastor Moses, we appreciate you. Pastor Jim, we appreciate you. And we're going to say that in a monetary way right now, but also this evening uh, at 6 o'clock, we're having a reception for our pastors. Please come, bring some cards of thanks. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Give them words of appreciation. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you right now for each and every one of these pastors that we have, for the work and the job that they do. And I just pray a blessing right now upon this offering that we're taking just for them, that it would just uh, en enable them to do things that they probably haven't been able to do just financially. So uh, we just pray your blessings right now upon the people and upon this offering. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thank you so much. We are, we are blessed. I know Karen and I, and I'll speak on behalf of the rest of the pastors, we're, we're so blessed. As I said earlier, I love what I do. And, and we love you. So thank you. Let's eat together tonight at 6. Uh, yeah, fun. This has just come to my attention, but our dear friends, uh, the Kalus, are going to be going back to Nigeria. And we're so delighted for the time that they are here uh, stateside. And um, they're here about half the year, and then they're in Nigeria about half the year. But Elder Kalu and Miss Salome, we want you to know how much we love you and how thankful we are for your lives and the way that God has blessed you and in turn, you have blessed so many others. I'm going to ask you to lift your hands and I'm going to pray a new anointing to come on you. And I believe that this season in Nigeria is going to be very strategic and God is going to give you a harvest. God is going to give you souls. God is going to use you greatly. Would you extend your hand toward our friends and we're going to pray God's blessing as they depart and as they travel back to Nigeria. Father, we are so very grateful for Elder Kalu and Miss Salome. We thank you for their heart of love, God. We thank you, Lord, that in your divine providence, you ordered their steps to be part of this family here in La Palma. And we ask your blessing now on them. We pray, God, that you would keep them safe as they travel. 
But I also sense, Lord, that this season in Nigeria is strategic and you're going to do something so wonderful and so fresh. I believe, God, that they will have the opportunity to see healing. I believe, God, that they're going to have an opportunity to lead someone Hallelujah. I see you leading someone that is very, very strategic. And this person that you lead to the Lord will go on and God will use that person greatly. I believe this is coming this season in Nigeria. So we ask God that what you have intended to do, let that be done. Open up the pathway, Lord. Take out all distraction, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, and we give you thanks for it. Amen. Amen. Love you, folks. Everyone standing and let me just dismiss you now in the name of the Lord. Go with God, be blessed, and be a blessing.